Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are. This is Chris, and today I'd like to generate a podcast um, which is about human nature. So uh, nature and the harmony of life has been the quest of most human beings since the beginning of time. And many years ago, especially in the East, people were in tune with nature. Uh, Nature's harmony and the human happiness topic were considered just one topic. What happened outside of people was recognised to happen within. But now with time and technology and the rush of life, uh, we've lost touch. Concrete's replaced trees, paint has replaced glass, and billboards uh, advise us that the deeper sentiments of our own intuition is wrong. As our culture evolves into the future, uh, we, as leaders of this culture, we see the signs growing around us of how our world and its people will suffer from this separation from nature. As the pace speeds up, pharmaceuticals replace integrity, uh, righteousness replaces kindness. We will suffer more and more from the separation from working with the land and we will replace it with the synthetic formats that we've invented. We will listen to music on an iPhone rather than learn to play an instrument. I think we must try to reconnect, uh, to understand nature's rhythm and to acknowledge the world of nature for her sustenance. Um, As we modernise, we seem to move away from the harmony of nature and and this breeds not only disrespect but worst of all we become disconnected from nature's teachings that means uh, we start to invent the world around us uh, and to try to make it as we really want it rather than it really is i think there's an opportunity to reconnect with the harmony of nature and bring it to work and lead with it, and in so doing, reconnect what we do with what's natural within. I think the true power of the human spirit is harmonious, it's interconnected, and it's very much alive in all of us. So, to begin, a rhythm exists in the deepest levels of our being. The person who tunes themselves both externally and internally to what is natural will will possess an insight to the essence of the whole universe. This harmony, this rhythm, is a capacity that could change the world. Um, Great composers, artists and inventors have always had the capacity to be authentic, to cut past the surface of what other people consider to be their best or not their best, and, and therefore dwell, even for moments, if not for hours, in the depth of what is natural. Every person on earth could be blessed with an opportunity to train themselves to depend on themselves as much as possible. But what self are we talking about? Societies are based on interdependence of people, and that's healthy. But in this interdependence, there is a dire need to be self-aware, self-driven, and self-conscious. Self-awareness, it's a trait that's not been cultivated in our society But it's a part of life. To be self-aware is as important as being generous to others. One makes you strong and the other makes you human. 
It's much easier to be generous if you are so selfish that it's no problem to be generous. Generosity from a minimal place is purely hypothetical. It's therefore, I believe, the decree of nature to cultivate for people self-awareness. To make yourself a power in your day, if not in the world. Work out your own destiny. Be an architect of your own life on earth first. Learn self-reliance. To keep wholly within the bounds of right dealings with all other people, then you'll be able to show a generosity with the things selffulness has accumulated. Remember, you can't give what you haven't got. Many theorists believe that the ultimate end of civilization is a calm and beautiful peace. The reply to this nonsense is the assault nature makes on peaceful people. Peace, or inactivity, leads to weakness and death. Sickness and disease, uh, ill health, is caused by inactivity, not the excess of it. Today we seek rest, we seek to sit down a lot, we seek easy food, and there are 8,000 diseases in nature's arsenal to get us off our ass and get back into the essence of life. And I'm going to talk about that in this podcast today. When I paddled an ocean kayak out at sea and trained to do overnight uh, expeditions, in the dark of night, offshore, um, with a tent in the back, waiting to find somewhere to land uh, and set up camp. Self-reliance was the most common word we used. Why? Well, there'd be a group of three or four of us, sometimes up to even five. But the capacity to be separated from the from the bunch was just infinite. For example... If there was more than a two-metre swell, you couldn't see where everybody else was because two metres is the kayak would go down two metres and up two metres. So you would see every time someone went to the crest, as long as you were cresting, you would see them. But if you were cresting while they were in a trough, then you were in a trough while they were cresting, nobody could see each other. You certainly, in the wind and the noise of the ocean out at sea, couldn't hear each other. And so there were extended periods where you were alone but not alone. You could fall out of your kayak. There'd be no way to tell anybody that you were out. Um, we used to stop every hour or so and check that we're all, and, and gather and check we're all okay. Self-reliance was the essence of good, safe kayaking. But it's also the essence of good, safe mountaineering, and it's also the essence of good, safe relationship, and it's also the essence of good, safe work. Codependency is a toxin, and uh, we're going to talk about these, these things that take people away from their nature, from their true nature, from the gifts that they are born with, and compromise them into a state of mediocrity, or a state of um, um, uh, uh, dependency that makes an individual very weak and confused. Let's keep talking about this. The first step towards strength is personal dependence, the ability to depend almost solely on yourself. It's not the same as personal independence, as that excludes people. 
You must learn to work with others. They are made to support your, your destiny and your success story. But depending on your own efforts and your own energy and make all progress you can in the world by inspiring others in your team, that requires you to be in, in a state of self-reliance. Be dependent, not independent. Depend on yourself almost wholly as far as the power or purpose is concerned and depend on others for manifestation. Be the master of your own world. When a person's so weak as to consult the newspaper to see what their stars are going to do in the next weeks, they cease to command the respect of themselves, let alone nature. When we ask a fortune teller to read our palm or uh, do our astrology and tell us our future occupation, we sabotage our own self-respect. When people run to, a, to, to a, an oracle for guidance, their fate is sealed. If those oracles and fortune tellers were so clever, they'd know the numbers in the lotto for the next round and would be extremely, uh, let's say, well off uh, with all their great knowledge, but they don't. So nature selects her favourites, but never from the class of people who depend on others for the future. She errs on the side of the strong at heart. She has the power to make or break any human being. Don't forget this is a great fact. You cannot afford to antagonise nature because she's really controlling the force of life. And understanding the universal laws, when we talk about the universe or universal laws, we're talking about the universal laws, and then we talk about the universal laws of nature. It's all the one topic. So when we understand nature, we understand the universe. And this is very important. When nature becomes your enemy, you're the target of all her antagonisms, and she carries many in her arsenal. Around 8,000 diseases and countless dangers opposed to you, all added, she's able to challenge you at any angle of your existence and usually the thing you're hanging on to most. And nothing that you will do will save you from nature's fury. It's therefore wise, unlike most of the world's population, to align with nature, align with her will, rather than your own folly, ego, or your own emotion. The strong person never dies young, rarely by accident, for nature takes care of those who are on purpose. The intense, committed, on-purpose, devoted people live as long as they are useful in the world. Those with emotional unconsciousness, with no active purpose, who fill their lives with the lowest of, of priorities, are of no value to nature uh, and are in a constant argument with nature's intention. No wonder the righteous die young. They're weak, usually. They have the willpower of water and the backbone of a jellyfish. They offend no depth and therefore are nothing but just good, negatively good, weakly good, morally good, but not virtually good. The moral law is made up solely to keep tempted persons out of temptation, but strong people don't need to be kept out of temptation. They don't need laws to keep them away from things that are distracting. They rise out of them as a cloud clears the fogs on swamps. 
Nature drives straight to the point and cares nothing for the agony of her subjects. Nothing has ever happened without her consent. And if you think about the agony that the world has experienced, nature is a pretty vicious piece of work. And there was once a time when most deaths were by violence, and now they're by accident or disease, but nearly all are a result of a conflict with nature. Physical disease is a result of a defiance of the laws of nature, generally by the preceding generation, but often by excess or deficiency of an individual. Harsh as it may seem, the time will come when sickness will be counted as a crime. In the plan of existence, there's no room for defiance of the laws of nature. This statement refers not to people who are weak in body only, but to those who are weak in their mind, deficient in energy, without purpose, inactive in their duties, and lacking character. Now, I know this stuff sounds harsh and a little bit old-fashioned, but you know what? When it comes to watching the world the way it's going and where people are heading and how weak they're becoming and how fragile and, and codependent they're becoming, I think a few of us as leaders need to understand this stuff. Even if we don't preach it to the masses, we need to understand it for ourselves. Rewards, such as success, are granted by nature alone. She can give you a long life, she can give you health, with ceaseless fulfilment and boundless pleasure, boundless pleasure for your existence if you are part of her march of progress. In other words, if you evolve. Food and lifestyle will have to change radically in order for us to appreciate the world we live in. Now, there are trends and fashions about fasting and eating this and don't eating that. But ultimately, we've got to ask ourselves, where are we evolving to and what are the foods we need to eat to get there? How do we live in harmony with nature? Not in excess, not in deficiency. Today, the purpose of living for most people is so vague, they can't see the purpose of trying to live at all. Health needs to be so improved that it makes every doctor and health retreat the laughing stock of nature. This step is not difficult. It just waits for the invention of the proper food and the proper lifestyles to attain it. If you don't care to cultivate your mind and soul with a commitment and discipline, then you'll struggle to find any use whatsoever for living. What good value can be in the world? What have the years ahead in store for you that makes you want to remain on the planet? The whole generation of which you're a single unit consists of millions and millions of people and they as a whole constitute one step, just one step in the evolution of humanity. Your role's not insignificant. Every atom is important to nature. You are a huge mass of those atoms. She will not waste the resource. Should you think that it's possible to waste your life, then nature will act in accord with her own laws and then make best use of her resource. You'll be challenged. Why would people remain here on earth to worry and suffer burdens and lose sleep over things that are not important? See no relief just to breathe, eat, get rich, sleep and then die. Try to take a different view. Take courage. Nature has a place for you and you are made of the right stuff. It's a commitment to usefulness that's the difference.
There are those who speak of nothing but themselves. I, 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 me, me, my, I. And they are the underlings. But those underlings have, like an eagle claw, the ability to grab onto people and pull them down. And we have to be wary of them and pinpoint them so we know not to allow that codependency to take place, whether it's at work or at home. Those people can see no other world than than the one in their own mind, the one in the mirror, and the one in the bank book. They're not wrong. They're just small. And the masses that come and go are in the great melting pot of nature. But those who rise up in their mind with hearts open, a committed will, and with souls of iron, are never lost. Life's circumstances are not an accident. Although there are events we, we don't cause, our reaction to those events are, in the most part, free will. We're also an active participant in causing much of our reality. What we do today causes the reality that we face in six months' time. To, to deny that this, we have this power to cause our life is to play victim. But victimhood is giving away your power. Wouldn't it be far wiser to acknowledge the link between cause and effect and therefore have some say in charting your own destiny? This extends to family. Because nothing affects the child more than the unlived life of the parent. Here, there is some acknowledgement of the role parents play in their children's future. Cause and effect is linked. Although most parents will acknowledge some part of this equation, some go into denial. Oh, it's his father's fault. Or all his family had that emotional problem. Here, the hereditary idea is being acknowledged, but, it, but added to it is blame. And blame is one of our society's greatest toxins. Uh, We need, those of us who want to step out of that mess, the courage to say, I cause and therefore I can change any circumstance. Rarely are we the originator of a line of events. We are more often the carrier than the original source. Breaking a lineage of negative belief is a huge responsibility. It often requires the black sheep of the family to reject the nuclear family structure or the renegade business person or musician. We should be proud of the maverick in us. We need to break the bonds of conformity to ensure the originality and the authenticity of our own actions, even if people don't understand them. So much has happened since the universe became a fact that the succession of developments seems endless. The order in which events occur is called succession, such as the passing of heirlooms from parent to child is called succession. Being the direct descendant in a straight line, nothing can happen without a cause. It's a really interesting thing to realise that if a person is able to be a single cause of a single fact and thereby to set in motion a single line of activities from this moment forward, They can count themselves an inspired person. The laws of cause and effect apply to everything. Nothing escapes. Your present-day condition and circumstances are wholly due to that law. You know it's too late to amend the past, don't you? 
resentment and guilt of the past only serve to remind us of our errors and therefore not to regress, but as a motivator or a teacher for future action. You have said, as thousands of millions of people say constantly, if I could have my life to live over again, I wouldn't do this and I would know what to do about that. And everything would be different. You also know that the present reality is conditioned by the past. So the past has served. Even once in a while you've said that you are satisfied with what you have accomplished in life and, nothing, and have nothing to regret. But you don't mean it. There's no human being who would not gladly take advantage of experience to amend the circumstances of the past, especially the pain or drama they've caused other people. The past's dead, so there can be no remedy for the errors and judgments and conduct of the past. We're going to call those things learning experiences. The only consolation from an event in the past is the learning we get from it. As long as we do learn. But learning is not saying, I'll never let that happen to me again. Learning is saying, I understand the value of nature's lesson in that situation. And should I get into such a stupid place where I need nature's lesson delivered in a package again, then bring it on. Learning is the essence of evolution. And evolution is nature's intention. The only consolation of an event in the past is the learning we get from it. Even experience is an unworthy teacher. It's based on finding things out after they've happened. It's the reverse of good judgment, isn't it? If you put a $10 bill in the fire and you see it burn, you've acquired knowledge through experience. But you've also lost $10 unnecessarily because I could have told you that before you put the $10 in the fire, but would you have believed me? Thousands of people find out they're in the wrong job and they're halfway through their life when they make that discovery. Thousands and millions of people learn that they're, they're engaged in business careers of the kind that didn't suit their abilities or tastes or talents. To correct these, let's call them errors of choice, People have consulted with all, all manner of coaching and guidance and workshops and ashrams and philosophies and religions and psychologists to get advice for the future. But they can't tell the future. Nor have uh, consultants had much success. 90% of estimates of the future fail. In fact, I can tell you thousands and thousands of examples of lives and careers that have been ruined by the advice from someone with the best of intention, a parent, a friend, a partner, even a career consultant. Executive recruiters will tell you about a great job they've found for you, but are they talking about your best interest or the job they need to fill with the best possible alternative candidate? There are reasons other than the stars that determine what future has in store for you. It's the law of cause and effect, and it's much more scientific than fortune-telling. You don't have to wait for experience, and you don't need to seek the advice of a fortune-teller, a career consultant, or a lawyer, 
or other so-called predictors of the future. Look, I understand the role of these people in the world, and that's uh, not saying they're wrong, but the specificity of their advice should be taken with great, great caution. To know that darkness lies ahead in a choice you make is really important. There are two sides to every decision. To know the form of that darkness is impossible unless one can know the psychology of the absolute individual in question. We cause the form of our own experiences. What we fear comes near. Although we may work with a greater hand in their creation, if we don't process our laundry. In other words, we, we may, in adversity, plough into an accident. How that accident affects us, that's purely a personal experience. Serendipity aside, all mistake that fills, fill a person's history might have been avoided if only the time had been taken to study the future and have learnt all about how to predict it, cause and effect. Earthly existence is often paved with regret. The fault is not the structure of emotion or the ego or something we might blame. It's the inability to look ahead. 50% or more marriages are regretted. A large majority of marriages cling to each other against their real wishes. And they're brave in doing so. They're just trying to conserve funds or not expose themselves to the unknown. Wasted years come and go while existence drifts along without aim until the end is too near for a real purpose. The present is the result of the past. It's foolish and indulgent to aspire to create happiness in the present or the future when the past is paved with errors of judgment and short-term ideals. The present's here. It was designed, predicted and created based on past action. Eat cake yesterday, be overweight today. Living in the present, living in the present can become an ambition to abdicate responsibility for causing and therefore creating effect. We cause our future by our present and past actions. Delaying gratification now will breed happiness tomorrow. Nothing is sure. Many people don't understand this in the modern era. They go to food or sex or drugs and spirituality in order to create a present state of mind oblivious to the past and it's just not sustainable. Once the present is here, it's too late to fix it. To create a present of a particular design we need the past to have been focused on the present. In other words, six months ago, if we'd focused on today, six months ago, we could cause today what we want. It requires a greater degree of willpower, integrity, and a greater alignment between present action and thoughts and the future we want. One cannot escape past action, can't escape past thoughts, can't escape past ideals, and its results are expressed in the present reality. Integrity means past actions that produce today's results. 
It requires a longer-term viewpoint, a longer-term thinking, rather than short-term gratification. It requires a commitment to ethics and discipline of your own device. It requires a view of, of longer life than the next packet of potato chips or the next cup of coffee. Children are suffering from this epidemic of short-term gratification. All the world is now designed for fast results. When they don't, uh, uh, kids don't get their, what they want, there is a, a frustration, a disappointment, a depression. Who doesn't know someone who got depression? And then look at that person with depression and you will not find an ambivalent individual. You will find someone with high hopes and low discipline. Someone who wants everything for nothing. The path between success and thinking about success is a really long path, but it's been sold short. Many people want the world to change, but can't change their own mind. That's righteousness and narcissism. There's a quote. It says, If you want to change the world, that's narcissism. The greatest altruism, in fact, is changing your mind about the world. Righteousness, which is narcissism, is at an epidemic level on the planet right now. It controls most of the Western world. People say their opinions, which have no foundation in truth, are the truth. People say, I'm spiritual but they hold views about life that are fixed. That's not spiritual, that's religious. How many people delay action because they do not want to make a mistake? Yet, after many years of delay, they cry out, oh, damn, if only I'd acted sooner. Marriages or business decisions all fits a class of delay. The pain of regret always outweighs the pain of discipline. Depression is one result of delayed action. An individual may delay action in order to avoid the pain of it, but the depression creeps in because to resist the normal flow of life by hanging on to something that's dead or finished or over or uh, 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 of no longer great uh, nourishment will cause a breakdown in nature's flow. Disease and ill health, Ill health are the result. One person who contacted me said, I thought my feelings of emptiness were my problem. I went to therapy and all manner of spiritual classes, yet the longer I experienced them, the more depressed I became until I was really suicidal. When I came to your seminar, Chris, you encouraged me to be honest and authentic, which frightened the crap out of me no end. But after some coaching, I got there and I had to admit it, my relationship was dead. And I just refused to consider that possibility in the past. It was my second marriage and my kids were just getting used to the new family and my heart was dead to my partner. I had spent the last two years in just complete denial. The minute I confessed it, I just felt reborn. I explained to him and he said he already knew it. He felt it. I told my therapist I was finished and, and just confessed to myself I was much happier without it. I can't believe how stuck I was and how many lies I'd told myself in order to face the discomfort of my truth. In the end, depression, 
which was a reflection of the lies, was, telling me, was me telling myself, well, nearly killing myself, to encourage me to take responsibility for the truth, to be authentic. I encourage every student of Chris to open their heart with him and find this authentic awareness. You won't all find your marriages are over. You won't all find you're in the wrong jobs. You might find you're hanging on to a headspace which is blocking you. And that is something that Chris can change. It's the greatest gift I've ever given my children. So there's no other pursuit in which so many people are engaged and have engaged in since history began, seeking truth, personal truth. It's vital because it ultimately leads to the future. Predicting the future is the universal hunt. All humanity either worries about the future or else is building its hopes on it. All human faces are turned to the future. Now, that's an important thing. When you're talking to people, they're the most there they'll be most interested when you talk about their future some people turn to mystics or therapists or astrologers or whatever it be uh, coaches to define their future they hand their power over to numerologists as if the future is already predicted in this there is only a half a truth our destiny may or may not be predetermined by our talent and skill but it is determined to a great extent by our reactions, our decisions along the way, our sense of authenticity in this journey. These are absolutely self-determined and these create the future. Hand in hand with whatever is predetermined, such as talent and skill. One man lost his wife, his home, his business, his children and his personal wealth just before he had a nervous breakdown. His grief was overwhelming. He just couldn't work at all. His comments were, I was so full of anger and hate and self-pity. I thought this loss and all these circumstances were some sign from above that I'd screwed up. I was ready to die. But after speaking with Chris, well, I saw the bright side. Sure, this was a terrible, terrible loss. And I gave myself permission to accept that it hurt. But on the other side was my blind side. I was now free. A new world awaited me. Travel, new work, hope and giving. I was born to help and I'd been delaying that so long I'd sabotaged my whole material life in the process. I started to laugh and laughed and laughed until I cried. It was so wonderful to know that there's order in this chaos. I was not alone, nor was I stupid, or nor did I make some ugly mistake. Life has two sides, like everything, and that was the other side. I never looked back, always looked for the other side. No more depressions, no more self-pity. There's two sides to every coin, and my life mission is to find those two sides in everything. No more righteousness. That causes me so much trouble. Thank you, Chris. This saved my life. Authenticity is the most vital and most essential faculty in human life because it determines the future. A person bemoaning the past creates their own future pain. A person hating someone in the past creates the new form in their future. A person judging the past guarantees their future to include what they judge. Our authenticity and our authentic experiences and memories of the past 
the resentments, the anger and the bitterness and the pain guarantee that we will suffer those humilities in the future unless we process them. Authenticity, or as I call it, raw honesty, is the faculty that needs to be cultivated by all people because it creates the future. Now, what is authenticity? Well, admitting that you're uh, judging, criticizing, bemoaning, feeling sad about something, angry about something, admitting that something has got under your fingernails and bringing it to a to a process, the uh, discard process or an emotional shower, or bringing it to the table and processing it instead of putting it under the carpet. Prediction of the future by aligning authentic self-awareness and ambitions for the future guarantees harmony and success. Nature intends that. She uses this future prediction with all forms of life, even those lower than humanity, to care for themselves. She plants the need, desire for that knowledge in every human mind, and where people have acted on its impulses, they have outstripped all other people in the race for the success. The person who looks ahead with honesty, humility, and integrity of the present really creates the clearest vision and has become the leader in whatever walk of life they've chosen. Now, this might sound to you like I'm preaching from a pulpit. It might sound to you like I'm trying to tell you something that, is, uh, that you already know. And for many people, this ambition for the future, this concern for the future, this authenticity about what am I doing now and what is it causing in the future may be automatic. But for those of us who didn't get that automatic gift, such as myself, uh, this has had to be learnt. And it came, at, for me, at quite a high cost. The past has created the present. There's no need to study the present. We must turn 100% of our attention to determine those behaviours today that will create the future we desire tomorrow. If we walk around the house moping and feeling sorry for ourselves and thinking that this is going to cause life to change in the future, that's a ridiculous notion. Moping around the house, moping in the job, resenting uh, somebody, feeling angry about something changes nothing. It just guarantees more of it in the future. We must turn 100% of our attention to determine the behaviours today that will create the future we desire tomorrow. And once tomorrow arrives, it's too late to change it. All cause of the future is either in the present or in the past. Future seeing must take the highest priority above all other studies, above all other forms of human effort, above all other powers that raise people to their highest places, and above all other faculties with which our mind is capable. There is no education that can compare with the ability to understand what we do today and how it causes what we want in the future and making sure we have the discipline and the willpower to stick to it. It stands far, far, far above and way beyond all other considerations of life. Reaching out, as it does, into the coming years and way beyond the grave, into eternity for you. Now, just to wind this up, take into your heart today the fact that any bad emotion that you carry now, caused by something today or something from the past, will in itself 
guarantee the future you least choose. It will contaminate and destroy the family you build, the relationships you build, but most importantly, through depression or mental health problems, it will destroy health. Make it your commitment today to find integrity in relation to past events. That means to find the balance of the beauty in them, the order in the chaos. Learn how to let go with love, with gratitude for everything in your history. Make it your commitment this day to find integrity in relation to past events. Determine if you are secretly harboring regret, resentment, anger, pain, loss or grief. And if so, set about to transform those perceptions into a state of appreciation. Nothing in the past is worthless. Everything had a benefit. Everything served. And you must find both. You must find the benefit of something in the past and the drawback. And if you're angry, you'll know the drawback, but you may not have found the benefit yet. And then focus on the affirmative. It's the only authentic way to release the past and release the effect of the past on your future destiny. Set aside everything else that will distract you from this authenticity at least once a day. I, I usually utilize the four-column emotional shower, but if you examine the past just once a day, you'll, you will, after a period of time, scrape away the first layer. And if you examine the past, continue to examine the past, even the past day, past week, past year, past life, take those vital parts of it and let them seep into your mind and they'll reach the second layer. And when you have processed those, it will open you up and you will go to the third layer. With this, you actually start to process the stuff that's rattling around inside your subconscious. And you must be ready to fall asleep at night soon after making the past event into a balanced, balanced appreciative experience. You fall asleep at night with thankfulness especially for the past. The result will amaze you. But note, only one event can be absorbed at any one time. Have your notebook near your, near your bed. Open it to any memory you may jot down during the day and test yourself to see if you can remember both the good and the bad side of that. Fall asleep remembering the good. Keep your thoughts on lessons and fall asleep trying to understand the gifts of life. Your last thoughts before sleep will be on thankfulness. Now, we've talked in, in other training programs about denial, affirmation, and, and visualization. And what we're doing here is working through the part of the process which we can call, honestly, denial, authenticity. We are denying the existence of pain or suffering or trauma in the past that had no benefit. We are therefore going to eliminate uh, the negative effect of anything in the past that may cause a pollution of our future by being thankful for the past, including today. We know that affirmation and visualization enter the subliminal mind at night and they'll be manifest on earth in the following days to come. An intense urgency of thought in the last waking moments becomes a prayer. Such thinking is 
absolutely beneficial. So thankfulness for the past will release your mind to allow this affirmation and this visualization communion with your subliminal mind to cause your future. The future pictures that create the future destiny will be clear. This is the true power of prayer. And it's completely opposed to the idea of mumbling some prescribed text and remaining unbridled or in a negative state from judgmental thinking about the past. Remember that every giant mind of the past has, without being taught, adopted this habit of absorption at night before going to bed. This is Chris. We'll close this podcast now and I'll continue in chapter two.